This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you follow your boy on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod, and subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time we go live or post a video. And this episode can also be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, we are live from Los Angeles after yet another Clipper win on this Grammy road trip. Now 4-1 and one on the trip. And I, I, my prediction was 5-2 and two before we went on it. So I'll take the 4-1 and uh, I'll take the four and one right now, absolutely. And this one was a little bit harder than I thought it would be against the Detroit Pistons tonight at the Little Caesars Arena. Final score is 136 to 125 in favor of this red, white, and blue team. Uh, we'll take it. Right now, the Clippers are just finding ways to stack up wins. You know, get them by any means necessary. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be a blowout against a bad team. It's not always going to be, you're not always going to be able to replicate the way you played against Boston every night. But just find ways to win. No Kawhi, no Paul George, no Zubats. And we still, we're still we still finding a way to get it done. And right now, it's really the offense. I just saw a tweet somebody tagged me in. Kawhi Leonard's apparently called out the team tonight after the game and said, we got to be better defensively. We're just winning games on talent right now. And I absolutely think tonight, it's crazy that he said that. Just shows the basketball IQ that Kawhi has. Because I was going to come on here and say, it just felt like we kind of outscored them tonight. And it felt the same way against the Wizards to a degree. And I don't want to get into that habit of, oh, we have a super team. We have that offensive talent. We have been the number one offense in the league since December 1st. So we're just going to be lazy on defense. Because right now, without Ivica Zubats, our best rim protection is really just staying in front of the ball. Because Mason Plumlee and Daniel Tice, they're not really rim protectors. Daniel Tice tries his best. He got two blocks in this game. I haven't even checked the stat sheet yet, but I remember him having two blocks. Let's see what he went down as. Two blocks. There you go. But Mason Plumley, he does not deter anything at the rim. So we got to do a better job staying in front of the ball. I saw Paul George getting blown by. I saw Russ reaching for steals and getting blown by. I saw Terrence Mann getting beat off the bouncer on closeouts. Got crossed up a couple of times. So, you know, we just need to be a little bit better and sharper on that end of the floor. Because ultimately, that's what it's going to come down to is locking teams down and playing good D. You know when you have a team with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden on it, that you're going to get good shots. I always said that's part of the reason why I was against the Harden trade was I never thought that we struggled to get good shots except for sometimes in crunch time. Um, but we always, to me, the shot quality was fine. Although what Harden has done is he has lessened the on-ball load on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George more than ever. Because if there's one thing you know about James... He's very okay having the ball in his hands. But I think that he has, as I've mentioned several times, done a good job of knowing when it's time for him to go, get aggressive, scoring the ball, and when it's time for him to let the other guys cook. So I think he's done exceptionally well in that regard. Now, this game was a weird start for us. We, we were down 20-6 to to begin the game. 
20 to 6 to begin the game. I think, honestly, it just comes down to sometimes it takes us longer to start making shots than the other team. <laughs> Simple as that. But I also think we were making it easy. There wasn't that much resistance. We kept going under screens on their guard, so they started getting hot from three. Bogdanovich, you know, I still can't really look at him with uh, any sort of positive lens because he was on that Utah trash team that we broke the curse against, by the way. Thank you very much, Bogey. Hope you remember that shit. But I just, I just don't like him. I'll take the give me the other Bogdanovich on the Hawks. But he was playing well. He was hitting shots. You know that his shooting ability. Cade Cunningham. You know, we don't get to talk about the Detroit Pistons much on this show. I have talked about them a little more than other teams, though, because they did do something historic this year, but not in the good way, obviously, that losing streak. As I mentioned, at the All-Star break, I will be doing an episode talking about every team in the league and timestamping it. But the Detroit Pistons, I've watched them play a decent amount this year. Cade Cunningham is a stud. Like, he is going to be a star one day. He's just his jumper had to come along. I said in the first season that I watched him play, I got to see him live. That vlog is on this channel, by the way. Uh, he took the right shots. He made the right reads in pick and roll. He just wasn't really convincing me with the jump shot. But now he's starting to get it. And when we were going under the screens, he was uh, hitting everything. He was hitting everything. So credit to him. To start the game, there was Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox, because Isaiah Stewart was out starting for the Pistons at the four. Knox on Kawhi. Cade on PG. Duran on Mason Plumley, Ivy on James Harden. And then Bogey on Terrence. Uh, and then one thing I found interesting, Jalen Duran was in drop coverage against Kawhi and Harden. Part of what got Kawhi going. And it, it's funny. I've mentioned this since I've started doing Dime Dropper. Kawhi Leonard and Kobe, they have this similarity that sometimes in the first quarter, they'll miss like their first couple of shots just to get a rhythm, just get a feel of things. And then they'll start hitting. And Kawhi, it happens all the time. I was so confident tonight when he missed those first two shots. I was like, well, those are fine looks. He's going to start hitting. And boy, did he start hitting. Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook, they were the stars of this one. Paul George came through in the fourth. But the way those two played, I'm going to get in more depth about it, but I got some things to say. Plumlee was in drop coverage versus Cade Cunningham, which I didn't know, think was a great idea. We're letting him walk into like easy mid-ranges. We were blitzing Bogey, though, and we created a turnover or two on that. Did they call that one Bogey as well? They called the one in Atlanta Bogey. I don't know about this one. Also, speaking of that guy, Bogdanovich, he did not switch on to Harden in this game very much. It was a lot of hedging and recovering. So the Pistons were trying to keep Bogdanovich off of James Harden. But yeah, they were hitting their shots first, up 20-6. to six. And then, it was funny because Brian Seaman called it out in commentary, we need Russell Westbrook in this game. And Russell Westbrook, who scored his 25,000th point tonight, took home the game ball. He changed this entire game. He comes in, and you know, the word that's being used so much with Russ, like it's being used at an insane rate at this point by everybody, is energy. But it's my job to kind of be a little bit more specific with that kind of stuff. And I'll tell it like this. The frequency in which this guy gets into the paint is unbelievable, especially considering his age. The way... He See, this is why I'm such a Russell Westbrook fan. And I think, you know, it was a little hurtful. You rust stands. I try to be as, I don't like stands. I don't. But I try to be 
on your side because I'm a Russ guy. Like he's he's the only player that the Clippers have ever gotten. And I'm not even being hyperbolic here. This is he's the only player the Clippers have ever gotten where I actively rooted for him before he was on the team. Like I would root for him and be disappointed when he lost. Not the Thunder with KD, but in those playoffs, 2017, 2018, when the Clippers were out. 2017, we were both out in the first round, but I was rooting for him so hard. 2019 against Dame, that was devastating. But then I couldn't really root for him when he went to D'Antoni and Harden. <laughs> so Russell Westbrook is the first player we've ever had that I liked like that, right? And I'm still not fully used to having him on the team. It hasn't been a year yet. He is so available, though. So it's going to be quicker than Paul George and Kawhi, how long it's taken for them. But I'm slow. I'm almost used to it now. We'll see. We'll see with with Russ. It's still such a novelty for me. I'm like, holy shit. It's a novelty that all four of them are here. But we've had a little more processing time with Kawhi and Paul. I'll say this about Russ, though, right? This is why I'm such a big fan of his. Because every single game that you watch him play basketball, whether he plays badly or not, he's going to give something of himself to make the fan that's watching, whether on TV or at home, to see him on the court. I used to always say when he was in his prime that it felt like there was two guys on the court, two of him on the court. And I've never said that about anybody I've ever watched in any era across any footage. But the way he's able to consistently bring it from an effort standpoint every night, you know, that really tells me the only place I was, I mean, I will say in Washington, defensively, there's varying degrees of effort defensively there is but you can say that about a ton of stars in NBA history probably the majority of them the point is just an overall energy perspective and overall effort perspective on both ends counting the offensive end because attack mode on offense is a real thing Russell Westbrook one of the most consistent Hall of Famers to ever do it in that regard I mean there's no doubt the way he always brings it from you can always count on him and that's why I I was proven wrong very quickly when we got Russ of why we could use that. Because let's be honest, Kawhi Leonard does always bring it from an effort perspective. But he's not always bringing energy to the game, life to the game. Paul George, he just kind of goes about his business, does his thing. But Russ, like he's vocal, he's yelling, he's loud. You know, he's a, I don't know him personally, right? But from the outside looking in, he seems like an extrovert. He's very much social. He makes relationships with everybody. He's a true leader. So we needed somebody like that. And just you feel it every single game. And it's so special in games like this where he absolutely cooks these weak-ass guards, these young guys. He just gets to the basket at will. And, and you know one thing I've started to notice he does frequently is that euro right to left and then a dish, quick dish to the paint. And I made my hands like that because that's what he'd be doing if you're watching the YouTube version. Euro right to left, boom, boom like that to the cutter on the, on the baseline, whether it be Mason, Tice, or Terrence. So he was already affecting the game immediately. And then Kawhi Leonard started getting hot, just like I said, from everywhere on the court. But this game, it was about the three ball. Kawhi didn't shoot really well from three against Cleveland, Washington, Boston. I don't remember him shooting that. Actually, no, he, he shot really well against Boston. Let me check, you know. Why not check the game log? We're on Dime Jumper. We are live. Comments are rolling. You guys also could give me a super chat if you want to be nice to your boy because anything is appreciated. Uh, it's been the Kawhi Leonard show all season long, and the fact that he's been so available, knock on wood, and I'm still knocking, 
is just inc- it's insane. It's really insane. I am looking like the biggest fool in the world right now for saying we should have blown it up because these guys have been healthy. It's amazing. Every time I lose faith, the Clippers always come through. I got to start being more pessimistic. 33 points. Oh, wait, wait, no. I'm looking at tonight's stat line for Kawhi. I got to look at the previous games. All right, from three. Last game, one for four. The game before, two for seven. So, yeah, it was just the last two games. He was three for 11 from three, right? This game, he was scorching. I mean, contested and open. Basically, a lot of his catch and shoot threes in this game were contested. He just doesn't care. He just He's a contested shot maker, right? Hitting those, you know, tween into the, into the pullback threes. He had it going. They went underneath on a screen. I mean, come on, man. Come on, the way he was playing. Let's see how many points he had in the first quarter because every single quarter felt like he kind of filled it up. 12 points in the first. He played the whole first quarter. He was the only clipper to play the whole first quarter. Uh, Russ had five points and five assists in nine minutes. I'm sorry, in five minutes of that first quarter. At the end of the first, the Clippers were down 27 to 33. Second quarter, though, that's when we started to turn the tide. We outscored the Pistons 38-26, and it started with Norman Powell, Amir Coffey, and Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard. Actually, no, not Kawhi in that second. It's when he had a big break. But Amir Coffey, I mean, the way he's been playing lately, it's gotten to the point where you can argue he's had a better season than Terrence. He's been that good. Getting to the basket, working quickly off the catch, playing good defense, being good in transition, knocking down the three ball. What more can you ask? Homegrown Amir. The brewmaster, the Folger soldier, build me up coffee cup, continuing to do his thing. I'm so happy for him. This is the kind of guy we had playing like no minutes last year. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? For Marcus Morris. I mean, what was happening last year with Ty Lue? Ty Lue, he's doing a great job right now, by the way. The fact that nobody's talking about him, that just shows you how good of a job he's doing because he's letting you appreciate the players. He's getting the most out of these players. Although Russell Westbrook, of course, you can argue, you know, he doesn't get enough minutes and this and that. Okay, but the team is winning right now. You can't argue with the results. We are winning. It's, it's, we are on track to have one of our best regular seasons in franchise history, and this is the most dangerous playoff team we've ever had. Ty Lue is doing his thing right now. And the way, listen, we got to give Ty Lue some credit, though. Even though he's limiting Russ in the regard that he's capable of more, look at the way Russ is acting right now. Look at... The, the vibe of the team this year before and after the trade. Ty Lue's gotten everyone to buy in. It looks like Bones Highland's starting to get a little aggravated. He's not as jolly as he once was because it's like he knows he's not going to play. It's sad. That's what I, I mean, that was one of the reasons why, again, I was anti-hardened trade. I wanted to, I was invested in Bones' development. But sacrifices must be made. And as Michael Jordan says, winning championships comes at a price. But I think Ty Lue has just done as well of a job as you can this year. That last year is going to have to be studied. One, one year that was completely off the rails where he let Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris get away with playing awful and being completely selfish. I don't know what happened last year. But anyway, the Clippers went ultra small. And this is something you've started to see against these weaker teams. We went with Harden, Russ, Paul. 
Paul, Norm, and Amir. So you're essentially running Paul George at the five in that lineup. It ended up being okay. I mean, Russ had two interceptions. One led to a dunk. He also had a pull-up in the quarter. Uh, but the Pistons were hitting threes. Marcus Sasser, Alec Burks. I want to see who all, who were hitting all these threes in the first half for Detroit. Uh, they were shooting 43.5% from three at halftime. Bogdanovich, three for three. Kate, uh, Kate hadn't hit yet. And then Marcus Sasser, four for five from three in the first half. So he was hitting. He was really hitting. But the Clippers started to get hot towards the end of that second quarter. And it was guess who? Kawhi Leonard. By the way, Amir Coffey, nine points in the second quarter. But we had an 11-0 run to give us a 50-48 to lead. And Kawhi hit three straight threes. And then we started having bogey blitz and we had two great passes from Kawhi out of that because he was making the three they didn't want to let him walk into threes so he was absolutely cooking again I want to see the quarter by quarter how many points Kawhi had in the second quarter he had nine so 21 points in the first half for the claw on seven for nine shooting and four for four from three. Meanwhile, Paul George is three for eight, settling for outside shots as usual. No free throw attempts. James Harden is one for seven, not really playing much defense. And like he's not getting by anybody. His shots are all short. Looked like he was out late, too late last night. I don't know what was going on with James Harden. He was looking like Plumber Jim. I mean, he made a couple of good passes, but that was Plumber Jim. And I'm starting to be a little bit worried. Because it's been a couple of bad shooting games recently. And not getting by guys like he was a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if the season is just taking its toll. We have been playing a lot of minutes. And we know how James Harden can get as seasons go on. Hopefully he bounces back. And I think he will. But right now, not great. And I think when this is happening, we have to really lean into Russ. We really do. I think Harden made some good passes in the second half. We beat the Pistons by 11 and we couldn't guard. And he's part of that, quite frankly. Not to single him out. Because I don't think anybody was really doing a very good job staying in front of the ball. I don't think anybody I can say had a good defensive game tonight. I didn't even notice Kawhi that much. Not to say he was bad, but it was it was minimal. It was minimal. Uh, I can I couldn't say anybody was good, seriously. And you know our bigs are kind of food and we're going small. But anyway, third quarter, Cade Cunningham was starting to kill us. We were going under the screens inside the arc and he's just walking into 18-footers. And give him credit, he was knocking him down. He had 9 points in the third. But it was just too easy, in my opinion. Just too easy. But by the way, the Clippers did, uh, in that towards the end of that second quarter, 11-0 run to take a 50-48 to lead. But yeah, third quarter, Cade was killing. But you know who else was killing? Kawhi Leonard. Hitting in every single way. Sometimes he was just coming up, walking a guy to the foul line, getting into his chest, and hitting a turnaround. Like, it's that simple. One time he just went right out of Sar Thompson, got right into his spot, jumper. It was effortless. He was knocking down the threes like they were layups. He's such an underrated overall shooter, to be honest. But what he's become as a three-level scorer is just amazing from if you've been watching Kawhi since the beginning, like me, remembering him as Bruce Bowen's replacement. I mean, it's crazy. He was... Uh, 10 points in the third he played the entire quarter 4 for 7 from the field absolutely cooking and Russell Westbrook immediately started cooking as well 7 points in the third for him getting to the basket hit a 3 had a pull up mid range 
Norm had a basically a buzzer-beating three, and I thought he was really solid throughout the game, scoring the ball. How many points did Norm end up with? 15 points on 6-for-11 shooting, 3-for-6 from three. Rare game where Norm does not have free throw attempts. Five rebounds, two assists, no turnovers, plus 19, which was the highest of any Clipper in 25 minutes. Does it get much better from Norman Powell? I mean, he just does his job. He goes out there. He scores efficiently on both levels uh, from the field and three, gets to the line, obviously not tonight, and scores in double figures every single night. Sixth man of the year candidate. He should be. He absolutely should be. But you can make an argument that like Russ is our sixth man kind of because he's the first guy to come off the bench. The fact that we even have like two guys that I would put in the argument for sixth man because of their impact is just the luxury of this team right now. But yeah, Russ was excellent. Norman Powell was excellent. Daniel Tice got two blocks. At that point, the bigs had been kind of quiet, but he got two blocks towards the end of that third. Bogey was also hitting shots too. It wasn't just Cade. But in the fourth quarter, Russ, Amir, and Norm continued the onslaught. Russ had a lob from James Harden. He, and we've had a lot of those baseline lobs because what happens is Harden gets in the pick and roll with the big. The big steps up, and Russ is doing a really good job of timing that baseline cut. And it's hard to take a 7-footer or 6'10 guy away on the roll and take away Russell Westbrook airborne. So James Harden, you know, he has options there. So you love to see that connection. James Harden and Russell Westbrook, this is their third time playing with each other. And the third different team. It's crazy. The story continues, and this might be their best chance yet to win a ring. We outscored the Pistons 36-31 in the third, broke even 35-35 in the fourth. But as you can see, three quarters where the Pistons score 30 or more. That's not good. That's That means we're letting them score too easily. I understand that they shot well, 42.5% from three, 51% from the field, but we can affect that. I know how we can play defensively. 75% from the line. Our shooting splits, though, were fantastic. 60% from the field, 48% from three, 84% from the line. The Pistons can't guard. We know that. Um, but a 9-0 run led by Paul George in the fourth kind of closed things out. He started catching the ball closer to the basket, elbow, mid-post. And you all know what I have to say about elbow P. When he catches the ball right around there, he can just rise up over the top without having to do all the dancing, without having to make his shot more difficult. I mean... And I thought he closed the door nicely. Let's see how many points Paul had in the fourth. Kawhi only had two in the fourth. Paul had 10 in four minutes on four for six shooting and two for two from three. So there you go. And then Russ got his 25,000 point. Really solid. Let's read the lines as the Clippers win it. 136 to 125 in Detroit. Marcus Sasser had 21 points off the bench on 80% shooting. Eight for 10, five for six from three. Wow. Alec Burks was 2 for 10. He's always inefficient, it feels like. Six points. They got not much from Asar Thompson. It's, it's interesting that he's been removed from the starting lineup. I know it's clearly because he can't really shoot, doesn't offer much offensively, but his rebounding is really good, especially his offensive rebounding. And he's a very good defender and is really athletic. Three points, seven rebounds for Asar. One for four from the, uh, from the field in 26 minutes. Good to see our old friend Gallinari, Big Gallo, 11 points in 15 minutes. He had nine free throw attempts in 15 minutes, made eight of them. Uh, you got to love Gallo for that 2018-19 season. He was truly special that year, a, a comeback season. After I had said we needed to trade him because he can't stay healthy. Go figure. I've been doing that since then. 
Kevin Knox played 18 minutes. That bust had a donut. No offense, Kevin Knox. Jalen Duran, double-double. 11 points, 13 rebounds on 5-for-7 shooting in 31 minutes. Jaden Ivey, nice to see Monty Williams finally starting him. 28 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists on 11-for-18 shooting, 3-for-8 from 3. So he was pretty spectacular. 3-for-6 from the line, though. And then Cade, 16 points, 11 dimes, 4 turnovers, though. On 7-for-17 shooting and 1-for-3 from 3. Remember, no Zubats in this game. No Isaiah Stewart in this game for Detroit. They turned the ball over 17 times, and we had 25 points off those turnovers. So good job there taking advantage of that. We turned the ball over 11 times. Now for the Clippers. We went 9 deep as usual. Daniel Tice played 18 minutes. He had 5 points, 3 boards, 2 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks. Two turnovers for him. I thought he was pretty good, especially in the second half. He was a plus 11. Two for three from the field. Missed his only three. One for two from the line. And then we had... Norm, yeah, I already t- talked about Norman Powell. Amir Coffey, 14 points, four rebounds, four steals, and a block. You love to see that from the Brewmaster. One turnover on five for seven shooting. One for one from three in 24 minutes. Mason Plumley, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. So maybe I was harsh on Mason. That's a pretty good stat line, but defensively he's bad. 5 for 7 from the field, 2 for 3 from the foul line in 26 minutes of play. Terrence, I thought he was okay. I thought there were times where he hesitated to shoot. thought there were times where he got blown by defensively, but I thought he did some good things as well. Got an offensive rebound, timely cuts, finishing around the rim. He didn't miss a shot. He didn't attempt the 3, which I, I think he should have, but he was a minus 20. So, wow, that's not good, Uh, which backs up my eye test a little more, but that's a little harsh. He had 12 points on 4-for-4 shooting, 4-for-4 from the foul line. So he didn't miss a shot. You'll take that in 24 minutes. Um, Again, he's not going to hurt you to me. He's not hurting you, regardless of the plus-minus. Russell Westbrook, 23 points, 3 boards, 9 dimes, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, on 10-for-13 shooting, 2-for-3 from 3, 1-for-2 from the line. Brody just had it going on. Like, uber-efficient. And he's had a lot of efficient games. I don't even, I don't think I've ever mentioned Russell Westbrook's shooting splits on the season in this show. Only locked on. Let's see. He's shooting 46% this year. 29 from 3. That's not that good. It's going to go up after tomorrow, after this too. So, it'll probably be around 47% after this. 47% from the field, that would be his best since 2020. So we'll take that. I thought he was excellent. Then we had James Harden, who, oh my God, four points, three rebounds, six assists, one steal, one turnover, one for 10 from the field, 0 for 5 from three, and 34 minutes. But listen, I think that's the beauty of this team, that James Harden can go one for 10 and we can win. Now, granted, we did play Detroit, but... He did not play well. Uh, Paul George ended up having a solid game shooting-wise in in the end. 18 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, and a block. So he was active defensively, but I don't think he was that good defensively. He shot 50% from the field and 40 from 3, but no free throw attempts, which I don't like. 8 for 16, 2 for 5 from 3, 27 minutes played. And then Kawhi, my player of the game, 
33 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block on 12 for 17 shooting, 6 for 8 from 3, 75%, and 3 for 3 from the line in 32 minutes. Let me tell you something about Kawhi Leonard. He should absolutely be in the MVP talks. Seriously. He has been amazing all season long. He's been available He's really good on both ends of the floor basically every single night. Like, he doesn't have bad defensive games. And we're one of the best teams in the league. He should be in the conversation. The only thing that's going to hold him back is his stats. But a lot of times, he doesn't even play in fourth quarters much because we're kicking teams' asses, which is he should be getting more credit, not less. And the fact that James Harden and Paul George, like, they can— and even Russell Westbrook, these guys can still all do their thing on the court with him. He doesn't limit anyone. He's not super ball dominant. I mean, bringing James Harden has given him the ball less. And we saw Kawhi Leonard draw two and pick and roll in this game. We saw some on-ball stuff, but he works quickly off the catch. He doesn't take too many dribbles. He doesn't make things too complicated, and he doesn't ball hog that much. There were times in this game where he missed guys open for three, but that was because he was on a heater. I mean, what can you say? He should be in MVP talks. He's only missed four games, knock on wood. And listen, I keep wanting to get super excited. And I'm like, Kawhi's the best Clipper ever. He's on my team. It's insane. But I can't. Like, it's my, my heart is not letting me because of the playoffs. Because we haven't had him healthy in the playoffs like that. The vision was always the postseason with Kawhi. We know he's great. But it's playoff Kawhi. So I'm enjoying this, but we've seen some glimpses of this in 2021, 2023. This has been the best collectively as a team in the 213 era. But Kawhi's playing amazing. I'm, it's the best sustained run of health, that's for sure. It feels different. I think it's going to be different. But I can't celebrate too much about Kawhi until it happens. He was just magnificent, though, wasn't he? Now let's talk about the Lakers and the Celtics really, really quickly. LeBron was rested yesterday, listed out with an ankle injury, but he was rested, right? AD is out with... You know, he, had, he missed his second straight game. They're playing the Boston Celtics. It's the Boston Celtics. You're supposed to take this seriously. Like it's, you know, do or die. Like it's a, it's a huge deal. It's supposed to be. The Lakers, to not play either of them in that game. First of all, I feel bad for the Celtics fans that paid money for that ticket. I know Laker fans aren't going to feel sympathy for Celtics fans, but I feel bad for those that paid for that ticket. The Lakers don't have urgency uh, to win regular season games, it seems. They're the ninth seed, and they're just, like, okay with this. I got to give this Lakers credit, though. They were insane. Austin Reeves was amazing. He was hitting all his threes. D'Angelo Russell was, was he started out kind of cold, but he was really, really good. The Lakers as a whole were just great. Rui Hachimura was amazing. Not amazing, but very good. And the Celtics, I mean, they do their same thing. 16 for 48 from three. They just chuck. They just keep on chucking. There's no Anthony Davis, and you're not going to the rim. Like it's I, Honestly, the Celtics are their own worst enemy. They have as good of a chance to win a ring as anyone, but I haven't seen the maturation from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in terms of late decisions. Like just big decisions. You know, continuing to play the game the hard way. Behind the three-point line, they still generate a ton of open threes. And that's what people don't understand. Because it's just down a basketball philosophy for me. I don't think that continuing to shoot open threes and hoping for the law of averages to kick in is good basketball strategy. I think that in higher-level games, when the defense is better 
And you have to work harder to create good shots offensively. And you have to work harder defensively. And it's more physicality, less being called. Your legs are going to feel different than in the regular season. That closeout from the other team is going to be that much closer. It's a different game. You need to get easy baskets. You need to get to the line. You need to start your actions somewhere besides three-point line, top of the key, everybody's staring at me. And that's what they do. Jason Tatum needs to catch the ball. Elbow Tatum, just like Paul George. He, he, he derides Kobe so much. It actually gets me angry now. And he, doesn't, he clearly doesn't apply anything. He just plays more like Paul or Kevin Durant. Just dancing at the top, shooting contested threes a lot of the time. And when he goes to the post, it looks good. He makes the game so hard, and I love Tatum. I always said he's going to lead the Celtics to Banner 18. But he might need to be when he's 27, 28. I mean, there's no excuse for him this year with the team. There was no excuse for him last year. Celtics fans are like, oh, if he hadn't gone hurt, he would have won game seven. Let's be honest. You should never have been down 2 nothing against Miami. That was a disgrace. And the fact that they lost so many home games, nah, man. They make the game hard. They did it again in this game, but the Lakers were insane. I mean, they tried. Tatum was 5 for 10 from 3 in this game. I'm not completely singling him out for this game, but it's bigger than just this game. Austin Reeves was crazy, and I was going to spam on the Lakers. I wasn't even going to go live. The reason I didn't go live is because I was just going to grill them because I think they're just being ridiculous, and I think LeBron and AD need to be held more accountable than I've been holding them. I've been saying, oh, it's everybody else's fault. It's Darwin's fault, but nah, they, they can't get away with, with how this is going. Anyway, Austin Reeves. 32 points, a season high. It was his best game of the season. 10 for 18 from the field. 7 for 10 from 3. 5 for 7 from the line. D'Angelo Russell was 5 for 20, but he had a, a major double-double. Season high in assists with 14. He almost had a triple-double. 16, 8, and 14. And Jackson Hayes played the best game I've ever seen him play. 16 points and 10 rebounds. 6 offensive rebounds on 6 for 8 shooting. Vanderbilt was amazing too, but sadly he's going to be out for, for weeks. I forget what the injury is. Um, somebody can check that for me. One of my mods, please check what the injury is for Vando. But he only played 16 minutes, and he had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 steals. So that's a major loss for the Lakers, especially considering that Reddish is out and they don't have Gabe Vincent. All guys that were going to be used in point of attack defensively, out. So you're going to need a lot more from Max Christie. But that's just really, really tough because he was just starting to kick into gear, and he was just starting to get healthy. So that's a major blow for the Lakers. Uh, Torian Prince, 11 points, 8 rebounds on 5 for 10 shooting and 1 for 2 from 3 in this game. Really good from him. And then Rui, 15 points, 8 boards, 4 assists on 5 for 14 shooting and 3 for 6 from 3. For the Lakers to shoot 40% from the field and 53 from 3 is crazy. Um, and they shot 26 free throws to the, to the Celtics' 7. That just tells you how little the Celtics were going to the line. Tatum, 8 for 21. 5 for 10 from 3, 23 points. Jalen Brown, both games against LA teams at home, he's been absolutely terrible. That was the third loss of the season at home for Boston. 22 and 3 at home, 37 and 12 in the league. It's still the best record in the league. Jalen Brown was 4 for 12, 0 for 3 from 3, 8 points. Derek White, 9 points on 4 for 11 shooting, 1 for 5 from 3. So just absolute garbage. Porzingis was solid, but he was 1 for 7 from 3. Lakers winning it 114 to 105. So me spamming on them will wait. They're 25 and 25 through 50 games, though. Get it together. This clearly showed me that they haven't fully quit on Ham. Everyone's like, 
This shows that it's you know all Ham's fault. How he was still coaching. There's now then people are saying, oh, they 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 turn it on because they know nothing's gonna happen. Okay, if they know nothing's gonna happen, bring the effort every night. Stop making fucking excuses for the players and just blaming everything on Ham. I'm starting to feel like they're making Ham a scapegoat, just like they made Russ a scapegoat. I know what Ham's done wrong. I know he hasn't played Vando enough. I know he's never gone back to that lineup from last season. I know he's uh, took D'Lo out of the starting lineup for no reason. I know that sometimes he leaves LeBron in too long. I know what he does. They go away from Anthony Davis in second halves, which, by the way, precedes Ham on this Laker team. I know that they don't always look prepared to play. I know that sometimes he's let Austin Reeves guard too good of players and not adjusted quickly enough. But if you really think it's all his fault, you just are protecting the players. You just are protecting the players. LeBron, from a, it's so toxic, this environment. Like, he needs to be held accountable to some degree now, besides the stats that he keeps putting up. What's happening off the court? How all of a sudden, from one summer, did Ham go from being bad to good? It's, I know, I said it with Ty Lue, coaches can have bad seasons. But you know a main reason why the Clippers weren't good last year? Because Kawhi and Paul George weren't fucking available enough. Anthony Davis and LeBron have been healthy. You, just because Vando and certain guys have been mismanaged, they should be 500? Way too much co- blaming the coaches. And here's how I know that the excuses are weak. Because the same things are said for every coach and every fan base. His rotations are bad. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there with his hands in his pockets, not doing anything, not calling a timeout or anything. He has no plays. He runs no offensive schemes. Why doesn't he play this guy more? It's, it's, it's the same buzzwords. It's the same buzzwords. He doesn't know how to put his players in the proper positions. These people couldn't drop a play. They couldn't tell you how to break zones. It's a little disappointing. To see that stuff. I mean, LeBron has to be held accountable to some degree. This is not harmonious. He has one of the best players in the NBA on his team. His role players haven't been good enough. And his coach has been a little bad. So here's my question to the fucking LeBron fanboys. When LeBron's teams are doing great, the coaches get minimized at every stop because he has such a high basketball IQ and he's like a coach on the floor. But when the team looks disorganized, it's never LeBron's fault. It's always the coach's fault. This is gonna, if they fire Darvin Ham, they're going to have four different coaches in six years of LeBron's tenure here in Los Angeles. And you're telling me that he's fostering some great environment, some winning environment. He has to be held accountable to some degree. He has been great. He deserves his all-star selection this year. But the fact the Lakers, and that's a great segue, the fact the Lakers have two all-stars when they're a 500 team, I know they've both played at an all-star level, but other guys have also played at an all-star level, including DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. Mainly Sabonis, because Fox has missed more, six more games than him. Sabonis has played in every game. And I'm, I think Fox is the better player because the playoffs last year, so I can't look at Sabonis the same after that garbage series where he couldn't shoot. Fox was awesome and he got injured and he was still great. The Sacramento Kings have no all-stars and they're a better team than the Lakers by several games. That's insane. James Harden didn't make the all-star team. I didn't expect him to, but he deserves it absolutely. He got snubbed. Um, but it's just so many great players in the NBA. Who else got snubbed from the West? Jamal Murray, by the way, the weight continues of him not being an all-star. And let me just say this. 
it's hard. He might be the Mike Conley, but a better version of Mike Conley in this generation. And I'm not comparing their games, but in the sense that Mike Conley was in a West with stacked guards, arguably even better West than this, for many, many years. And there were too many good point guards, so he didn't make it. Jamal Murray, he doesn't. his stats aren't crazy in the regular season, so he didn't make it. But he absolutely is playing at an all-star level. The thing is, Denver's also a four-seed right now. By the way, Clippers are 32 and 15. The Wolves are 34 and 15, and the Thunder are 34 and 15. So they're tied. <laughs> they're tied for first in the conference. And if we just let's say they don't play a game, we play two more games and we win. We have the same record as them, tied for first place. We're eight and two in our last ten. We are. Let's see. We're three and seven. We are 29 and eight in our last 37. Oh no, 30. 30 and 8 in our last 38. Because we were 3 and 7. Man, my math. Oh no, I, I was looking at the Nuggets record for a sec. Yeah, I was right the first time. 29 and 8 in our last 37. It's amazing the way we're playing right now. But yeah, no Murray, right? No. So I'm shocked. So let's just list off the reserves real quick. It was Steph Curry, obvious, no problems with that. No Lowry Markinen. You could argue he had a case. They're in 10th place right now, unfortunately. No Alperin Shingun. You can argue he had a case. No Pelicans, who are seven games over 500, but none of them average even 23 points a game. So no Ingram, no Zion. It's kind of a three-headed monster there in terms of scoring with CJ, Ingram, and Zion. So I don't really have a problem with that, but they're both all-star level players. Honestly, you can argue all three are all-star level players. No Kyrie Irving because he's missed games, but he's had an all-star level season. No Bradley Beal, but that's obvious. He's missed a ton of games. Devin Booker made it. Anthony Davis made it. Well-deserved. As I said, no Sabonis, no Fox. To me, the biggest snubs. No Murray. Paul George, big congrats, and Kawhi. So, of course, Kawhi deserved it, but big congratulations to Paul George. I was wondering if he was going to make it. I'm really happy for him because he still had a really good season. And with how harsh that we are on him, he sleepwalks his way to 23 points, five rebounds, three assists on great shooting splits every year. And, like, we take it for granted how good he is. And he's been, remember, he was our best player for, like, the first 15 games of the season. I'm so happy for him. And we could have had three All-Stars, but to have Paul George and Kawhi be All-Stars uh, for the only the second time as Clippers, because the first year it was Kawhi, 2020, he was the All-Star MVP in Chicago, only the second Clipper to ever do that with Chris Paul in 2013. That Both of them were very special. 2021, both of them went. That was the only other time. 2022, Kawhi didn't play the whole year. And then last year, Paul George went. Did Kawhi not even make the All-Star team last year? I don't think he did because he had missed so many games. Let me see if Kawhi made the All-Star team last year. He's only a six-time All-Star, which is crazy. Yeah, he didn't make the All-Star team last year because he, he hadn't played enough games at that point. That's wild. So it's great to see Kawhi back in the All-Star game, but I'm really happy for Paul. And then the shocking one to me, Carl Anthony Towns. I thought Rudy Gobert was going to be it, and I hate Rudy Escar Gobert, but he's been really good this year. I'm shocked they went with Cat. So good for Cat. He's been an All-Star a couple of times now, so... He's carving out a great career for himself. He's probably the second greatest Timberwolves of all time right now. But Anthony Edwards is clearly going to surpass Cat in that regard. Cat's averaging 23-9 and nine right now in three assists. So that's pretty good. And he's played 47 games out of 49. 
And he's shooting 50, oh my God, he's shooting 52% from the field and 44 from three and 87 from the line. If he just got his free throw percentage up, he could be shooting 50, 40, 90 as the power forward. So, sheesh, I'll give him, I'll give him credit. Okay, maybe he should have been an all-star. That's a good one. The Timberwolves, you can argue, could have had three. So no wonder they're the first seed. But yeah, and then let's talk about the East. The East, the East, the East. So notable snubs. Scotty Barnes, he's having a great season. Um, nobody from the Nets. I thought Mikhail Bridges was going to be an all-star this year, but no. And right now the Nets are in 11th place. I don't know. Chicago's been so good. I want to look up their record without Zach Levine because they've been so impressive without him. Trey Young, maybe the biggest snub. He's having a really good individual year. It, we started to take Trey Young for granted. He sleepwalks to 25 and 10. His team's not very good. I get it. Maybe he shouldn't be the best part on his team. They've won three games in a row, though. They're now in the 10th seed. And I'm just curious to see if Chicago can stay in the plan. Are they going to trade Zach Levine? Kobe White's playing amazing right now. I want Brooklyn to be in the plan, though. I kind of like them. But, yeah, no Trey Young is, is tough. Second straight year. Nobody from the Bulls was going to make it. Paolo Bencaro making it for the first time. First of many. The fact that he made it as a second-year player, only very special players that end up having really good careers make it as second-year players. So, great for Paolo Bencaro. Um, he deserves it. Bam Adebayo made it. Definitely him over Jimmy this year. And it's so funny because I had Jimmy in my top five. Last year, as of the playoffs. And remember, I don't change my rankings till the playoffs. So technically, I still have Jimmy in my top five. And he didn't even make the All-Star game. He's so unserious in the regular season. It has to come to bite him in the ass at some point. This might be the year. But the Heat are a little I think they're a little more dangerous than last year at times. But they also just had a seven-game losing streak. They're back on a two-game winning streak. But we'll see with the Heat. I'm keeping my eye on them. But now that Joe... Oh, I want to talk about that in a sec. Tyrese Maxey making it for the first time, first of many, thoroughly deserved, but you can argue that Trey Young had a case over him. Jarrett Allen didn't make it. Uh, I think he could be a replacement. Uh, Jalen Brunson made it, absolutely deserved. He's playing insane basketball right now. The Knicks have won nine in a row. He is becoming a god over there. Julius Randle made it. He's going to have to miss the game because he's injured, but he kind of he deserves it too. And then obviously Dame and Giannis were starters, and then uh, Jalen Brown made it, and he deserves it. No Derek White. No Drew Holiday, no Porzingis, but you can make an argument for any three of those guys. The Joel Embiid tearing his meniscus, by the way. That is really, really tragic, uh, and I really mean that. Really tragic. He was the MVP favorite. He was playing at an insane level, and something went wrong there with the medical staff. Everyone's blaming it on this 65-game thing, but I just don't agree with that because the organization and Embiid they could say to themselves, we don't care about that. Here's what we need to stop ha letting happen. Stop letting all NBA dictate how much these guys can make. I think that's ridiculous to have media voted awards dictate players' salaries. But I don't have a problem with the rule. Something went wrong here with the Philadelphia medical staff or whatever and letting him play that game against Golden State. Because this is tragic. Like, this really is tragic. The season's over for Philly. They're done. And it's really sad. So now the Knicks could probably be the three seed. And I know I had that famous cl uh, that clip now. It's going to be played over and over by Fabian and all ball of me saying the Knicks are not going to be a top three seed. But if you had told me Embiid's going to miss the rest of the year, of course they could be a three seed. But I did have the Cavs over there before the year. I'm not going to switch up on that pick, even though with the OG trade, I think the Knicks are better than Cleveland. I was, I was more referring to the regular season the Cavs would be better, not in the playoffs. I, I'm only talking about regular season. But now with OG, I'm not going to switch my pick, though. That's the thing. 
But the Knicks are going to probably be the top three seed. Maybe two. It's going to get crazy. That Bucks knicks series, I need it in the second round. But anyway, well-deserved to all the All-Stars. I have no outrage to, to cry. Um, Embiid's going to be out. I would take, by the way, no Franz Wagner. He's been having a pretty good year too. I would take um, Jared Allen probably. Maybe even Porz- Porzingis has missed some games. Let's see how many games Jimmy Butler's missed. So the Heat have played 49. Yeah, he's missed 16 games. He's not, he's not making it. No Jimmy Butler. So Jared Allen would be a great candidate. Let's trick Kristaps Porzingis and how many games he's missed. Celtics have played 49 games as well. He's missed four t- uh, 14 games. So yeah, no way. Uh, I think Jared Allen. I really think Jared Allen should make it. Trey Young, though. Trey Young or Jared Allen. One of the two. I don't know if it's like you have to replace him with a center. Or a forward. I don't know. Anyway, guys, that's it for this episode. Please let me know what you thought. Oh, last thing. African Cup of Nations. Nigeria. I didn't watch the game, but they beat Angola 1-0. Shout out to them. Nigeria in the semifinals. Uh-oh. If they win, that country's going to go crazy. And then I did watch the DR Congo game. Crazy free kick. One thing I have to say, it's, and, it's, and it's been true my whole life, why can't Africa produce good goalies? Like, they have guys that have, like, a flash in the pan, like Onana or Mendy. There's never a world-class African keeper. They make may, they make so many mistakes in African Cup. The defenders and the keepers. A lot of... Africa produces a ton of great strikers, a lot of great wingers, good midfielders, but for some, and some good fullbacks, including Masuaku, whose free kick was really nice, and he scored on a direct free kick. I don't know if that was intended. It had some crazy spin on it. Um, but I don't know if it uh, was intended to be towards goal. That was a big goal for DR Congo, who won 3-1 over Guinea and are going to the semifinals. I am hyped. Shout out to my boy Junga, who was on our, the show for the World Cup, uh, talking about France. He's Congolese background. A lot of French players have Congolese heritage. And as I say, DR Congo has really made their imprint on the NBA. Jonathan Kaminga, Serge Ibaka, Dikembe Mutombo, and they're in the semifinals, and I'm pulling for them the whole way. I would like it. If Nigeria won, I'd be happy with that too. But I'm rooting for DR Congo. So tomorrow we've got... Uh, who's playing? We've got Ivory Coast and Mali. I'm rooting for Ivory Coast in that game. And then Cape Verde against South Africa. I think Cape Verde's been a great story. And then for me, Iran versus Japan tomorrow in the Asian Cup. South Korea beat Australia today. Huge win. And now they're going to be playing Jordan in the semifinal. I think that South Korea is going to go to the final. But we have Japan. And I'm, it's 3.30 in the morning. I'm going to be staying up to watch it. Because I, I stay up that like till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock every night. So I might as well just stay up instead of go to sleep. I'll sleep from 6 to 12. And then I have to go coach games. <laughs> so it's going to be a crazy day. I'm going to be so nervous. We'll talk. This is it. Iran, Japan. We beat Japan. I think we could go to the final. But this is it. The Samurai Blue. Let's see how it goes. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace. Have a great night.